I come from County Kerry, the land of eggs and bacon. If you think I'll eat your fish and chips, I tell you you're mistaken. Oh, I don't let land Hi all, and welcome back to From Fever Pitch to Horror on the Ditch on Scarif Bay Community Radio. This month's show, we have uh, well, we have some of our regular cont- contributors. We have uh, Terry Hogan, who is no longer in studio, but has gone to the Premier League ho- hotbed of North London. Terry, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello there, from, uh, from I was going to say sunny London, but it's a bit, bit cold and rainy, which is probably how, how London is a lot of the year. But yeah, it's uh, I've got all the chat been chatting away to local Tottenham supporters who are all in a miserable mood and Arsenal fans who are all hoping for, for good things so uh, and it's good to be on the airwaves in East Clare and Scarab. Thank you Terry. Now James is our regular contributor from Europe and indeed a man with a great knowledge of not only Europe but uh, also English, the English Premier League so James do you want to just introduce yourself? Uh, evening, everybody. My name is James. Uh, speaking to you live from Amsterdam, ahead of Ajax PSV this weekend from a from a cold Amsterdam in this uh, on this Friday evening. Right, thank you, James. And our fourth contributor, who's in the studio this evening, our first time on the show, but a man with a, an avid uh, interest in in all things uh, Premier League and uh, now resident in Scarf. So Ross Martin. Thanks for being Tim. Yeah, no, Ross Martin here. I'm a mead man in exile in East Clare now for the last number of years. So yeah, as you said, I'm a, an avid Arsenal fan and I, I think I know Terry quite a number of years. So looking forward to the show. Okay. Okay. Thanks, lads. So look, we'll kick off from, uh, there's a lot of fixtures. It's a big weekend as a, I think the, the golf term is it's a moving day. And for a lot of these clubs, if you're if they, if they want to contest Europe or they want to try and avoid relegation, they'll have to start making move, moves fairly quickly. So the first fixture up is Everton and Tottenham Hotspur. So Terry, obviously you've teed yourself up lovely for this, talking to all these Tottenham Hotspur fans. How do you think Everton and Tottenham Hotspur is going to go? Well, you've got two teams there that aren't are, are playing great. Everton, I've got a very good friend who's, who's an Everton supporter, uh, and they are in real trouble. They're very worried about getting a second fine. They've already been fined a whole load of points for, for contravening uh, financial fair play, and they're up in court again fairly soon. So they're a bit down in the dumps. And uh, if your players aren't fired up, no matter how skillful they are, you do have a real problem. Um, and as for Spurs, you know, at the moment, Spurs are a very inconsistent team. Um, Buster Coglu has brought a lot of players in, and that's going to take a while for them to, to settle in and gel. Um, but uh, And you can never tell what kind of um, a performance Spurs are going to be put on, uh, are going to put on. But I, I would have thought matching the two teams up, then is, is the match at Everton or, to- or Tottenham? No, it's on at Everton, yeah, out of Goosen Park, yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? I think Everton are going to have serious trouble there. I think they're going to have real, real trouble. And I think people like Kuliszewski, lovely player, left-sided right winger, very good player. So I can see Spurs either um, winning by a narrow margin or definitely a, a draw. But poor, poor old Everton, I've got a soft spot for them. But uh, I think they are, they are in trouble currently. No now, James, how do you think Everton and Tottenham Hotspur is going to go? I think home advantage in this game is going to be key. Um, I think Everton's going to win 1-0. Um, 
I think that um, when you're fighting for your life and when you're scrapping, sometimes at this time of the year, you can always get strange results. And uh, especially with what's coming up with the uh, charges brought to Nottingham Forest, um, I believe relegation will go to the wire. But I think in this case, it will be uh, 1-0 to Everton. Oh, very good. And just before we actually move forward, the, you, you made a great point there. It's a 12.30 kickoff in in Liverpool, in Everton, it's home ground. So that, that is definitely a factor in this. Now, Ross, how do you think that's going to go? Yeah, to be honest, I'd, I tend to agree with James there. I think in terms of the last number of matches, I think Spurs, again, have been very inconsistent. I think as a team, <laughs> you never know what Spurs team is going to show up, even within the same match. Like They could have... Fantastic performance in the first half, very poor in the second half. I think the other day I thought they were actually quite lucky against Brentford. They came away with the win there, but they were at home. Yeah, but I do think Everton, I, I wouldn't be as worried maybe as some Everton fans might be just in terms of the points being deducted from them. I think they potentially are too good to go down. I know that's a, you know, it's a bit of a cliche and maybe I'm, that's the, the kiss of death for them now. But yeah, I reckon Everton could come away with a win here myself. Yeah, I think you're right, uh, uh, Ross, because I definitely think, actually, that Everton, the Sean Dyche factor is going to come into play. Now, the one thing I will say about Spurs, I was very impressed with Spurs. I remember the night they drew 3-3 with Man City. It was early December, and I just saw it was a very, as to coin Raikin, a very unspursy performance, and they showed resilience. But, like I say, it is a, they are inconsistent, and that resilience is uh, it's not evident every day. So, anyway, the next fixture... We- sorry? Tim, can I just say a quick thing? Yeah. We just asked three Arsenal fans if they'd predict a Spurs win. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very unlikely thing to happen. <laughs> well, look, I can't say. Now, lads, I think actually the next match, which I was unaware of, and I'd looked up on a map, actually, it, that how far is Brighton from Centre's Park. But this is a derby, by all accounts. So I, they're so far apart, I couldn't believe it, but suppose it is. So Brighton and Hove Albion uh, are playing Crystal Palace at 3 o'clock in Brighton. So, Terry, how do you think that's going to go? Oh, I'll definitely see Brighton winning that. Again, they can be in- inconsistent, but they have some very good players and they've got the Irish guy, Ferguson, there. Um, I, and Palace um, Palace have, have dropped away recently. Um, they've got the guy, I'm trying to think of his name, Eze, who yeah. used to be an Arsenal youth player. And he's very good. He stands out as a, as a wonderful touch player, speedy, great dribbler. But I, I can only see Brighton winning that one. Yeah, so, and Olisi as well, actually. Eze and Olisi, two brilliant players. And actually, I noticed there was a protest the day that uh, Arsenal bet them about like they're not resourcing them, that they could lose those two players very easily. So, James, how do you think Brighton and Crystal Palace is going to go? Um, my prediction is a 1-1 draw. I think this, isn't, I think this derby's been created uh, on the back of when they met in the playoffs in the championships, I think. Uh, in the championship around about a decade ago now and um, I think that it will be a a 1-1 draw I think you make a great point about Crystal Palace I think they're they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because you've got the majority of Premier League teams that are kind of do they push on and try to become an established um, Premier League team or do they try and balance the balance the books it's it's a tough balance in that I think with Brighton as well I think what you're seeing is uh, it, it really is a long old season. I think people forget how long the football season actually is. And uh, obviously Brighton in the knockout stages of European competition as well, um, coming up in March. So that will be really interesting. But I, I think in this case, a 1-1 draw. Yeah. And actually, before you go away from that point, James, uh, 
I remember, and I think a lot of Irish people remember, Fulham had a great run one time in Europe, and of course, uh, what's his name, uh, Damien Duff was with him at the time, and it was a brilliant joke, great, they bet you Juventus, and it was a, like, and I remember myself, Ruel Fox and Mark Robbins were part of a Norwich team, the best part of the the early 90s so do you think for, for a club like Brighton that they can get kind of distracted or not even distracted is probably the, the wrong word in other words having lifetime experiences playing in big matches is that a, a factor do you think that will affect them later on in the year I believe so because it's their maiden voyage it's yeah. their maiden voyage in Europe and they've they've come up against and beaten the biggest club in the Netherlands They've also um, beaten arguably the biggest club in France in Olympic Marseille. I know that both these teams are not in the rudest of health, but to still put them away into the top of group, which also included AEK Athens, who I watched um, lose to Ajax here in Amsterdam in December. It's a very <laughs> difficult European group for your first maiden voyage in Europe. And to top it was a fantastic experience. And they'll be they'll be chomping at the bit about who they play in the, uh, the last 16 of the uh, of the Europa League. And I think it'll be um, it'll be a spectacular night in in both legs, specifically in the home game in in Falma, for them to uh, enjoy another a European team and see how far they can go. Yeah. Now, Ross, how do you think Brighton and, uh, and Crystal Palace are going to work out? Brighton, I think, over the last number of years have been a massive surprise. They've been absolutely fabulous. I think, yeah, the way they play the game, like they play with no fear, they're absolutely fabulous to watch. But again, similar, there's a there's an element of spursiness about them in terms of, like, you look at their last two fixtures, they, they put five on Sheffield United mm-hmm. and then they conceded four against Luton the other night. So you just don't know what Brighton team is going to turn up. Yeah. I do think possibly, yeah, I, I can see them nicking this one 1-0. Um, or potentially a draw but yeah I, I would hope Brighton now over the next number of weeks they'll tip away at it but I think coming towards the end of the season yeah Europe might start to distract them then as well but right. yeah I think this week now they, they may just get over the line against Crystal Palace Very good Now the next fixture is a very interesting fixture and well one I have a kind of a how would I say uh, well I think a lot of Irish people have an interest in because it's Burnley versus Fulham uh, Fulham of course had have some, had some great results but Burnley like Vincent Company has got a lot of money he has a couple of Irish lads there they are really looking like if they don't start winning matches shortly like look a lot of people think they're already gone uh, uh, but do you think, like, I mean, have they been too loyal to Vince Company? Terry, how do you think Burnley and Fulham is going to go? No, I, I see that as a draw, if not a Fulham win. Um, you know, you can have the world's greatest manager, but if you haven't got the world's greatest players, you aren't, you aren't going to be turning teams over on a regular basis. So, um, you know, uh, apparently all the Arsenal fans that I know that go to uh, home and, and away matches always tell me the very worst ground for supporters going to uh, for the opposition is is always Burnley. It's an awful part of the ground you're sort of put in and um, they all dread going there. But uh, yeah, I can see Fulham coming away with those three points there. Yeah, yeah. And James, how do you think Burnley and Fulham is going to work out? I think it'll be a 1-0 win for Burnley. Um, I know they're scrapping for their lives and, and obviously midweek against Manchester City but I think home advantage will see them over the line I will also say as well I find it incomprehensible how Josh Culling can't appear to get a game you know this is a tremendous player who also spent time at Anderlecht obviously the biggest club in in Belgium and it must be a great asset to have and he every time I see Burnley he appears to be on the bench 
Yeah. And I, I find that a very strange decision. But I think uh, home advantage will ring true and I, I'm going to go for 1-0 Burnley. Very good, very good. Now, Ross, how do you think Burnley and Fulham is going yeah, to work out? I'd probably take a draw on this one now because I think yeah, Burnley, the company has done, I thought he did a fantastic job last year getting them up. I think I seen him the first game of the season I thought against Man City they were quite unlucky. I thought they played yeah. good football, did a few chances in that match. But from then, they just haven't really gone anywhere and they're in serious trouble now, I think, for the, the rest of the season. But... Yeah, I, I can only see a draw here. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Now, lads, the next fixture is an interesting fixture. Interesting at several levels, actually. It's Newcastle versus Luton. Now, Luton, I think, are everyone's... Every, well, everyone this side of the water, like with Ogbeni is really getting a lot of game time, former Nemo Rangers footballer, and he's taking on uh, Newcastle this weekend. So, Newcastle, of course, are like... Uh, Kieran Trippier, I suppose, was being touted that he was going to go to Germany, and this was supposedly he, they were trying to get rid of players to stay within the rules of financial fair play. So it was very. Now he wasn't sold actually, and he was kept. So just interesting from that point of view that these clubs have to follow some restraint, and maybe the maybe the the Everton ruling is frightening someone. So uh, James, actually, I'll go to you first on this one. How do you think Newcastle and Luton is going to work out, and what are your thoughts on Kieran Trippier as well, actually? Well, I think that Luton will win. Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Luton win. I think Newcastle, I think the the energy levels, of, of you know, it's, it's, it can sap you. It really can. You know, obviously their Champions League group against Paris Saint-Germain and, and Dortmund and Milan, which they, which they didn't get out of. And they were kind of carried along in the hyperball of being back in the Champions League. Obviously, Eddie Howe did amazing work at, um, at Bournemouth. And um, I just think with the endeavour of Luton, it's admirable. It really is. You know, some pundits were being disingenuous by saying they'll be down by Christmas, which I thought was a horrific thing to say. And um, there's just, I, I think they will. I think they will survive. Yeah. And it just goes to show for all the millions and billions that are spent. You know, it's a league, and in a league, you pay you play 19 games at home and 19 games away. And they're making the most of home advantage. And, and Andros Townsend, Ross Barkley, Alfie Doherty, Doherty good players. Yeah. Good players at the, at the highest level. And I would say with Trippier as well, as well yeah. my, my personal opinion is that I, I think Bayern Munich panicked, which is unusual for them. But I think it's, um, it's testament to how Thomas Tuchel can alienate his staff and the board of the club that he works at. Also did the same at Borussia Dortmund in the past. And I think with Kylian Trippier, it's admirable, but he won La Liga. But I believe he could have got a lot more out of his time at Atletico Madrid. You know, it's great to win one of the most difficult leagues in the entire world. But he could have achieved so much more. He only stayed there for two and a half years. As far as I'm aware, he didn't integrate to the best of his ability. And um, you, you could say that he's not really cut out to... Um, to play abroad, you know, you've, you've got to you've got to really be committed, not just in a in a, in a professional football sense, but also, you know, outside off the pitch, you know, adjusting with the language and the cultural differences. As, as someone who's who's lived abroad for an eye on two decades now, okay, I'm not a professional footballer, but if you want to be successful, you have to give your life and. In, in a positive way, I mean. And um, I think in the case of Kieran Trippier, he wasn't prepared to do that at, at Atletico Madrid. I don't think he would have done that at Bayern Munich. And I think he's, he's not really cut out to return abroad and, and become an even better player. Oh yeah, very good. Now, Ross, how do you think Newcastle and Luton is going to go? Yeah, it's going to be another interesting one because I think Luton have, I think over the last number of weeks, been absolutely fabulous. Like They've picked up how many points in the last 
three, four games. And like, I think James is dead right. Like at the start of the season, so many people were tipping him to actually go down before Christmas. But to be fair, if you were looking at their points tipped or points total before Christmas, yeah, it wasn't fabulous. And over the last number of weeks, I think they've just settled into being a Premier League team. I think maybe it might have been a bit, they might have been a bit overawed at the start, but yeah, definitely now they've, they've seemed to settle into it. And it's fabulous because at least it's great to see the Premier League with so much money and all of these players on God knows what amount, hundreds of thousands a week. And you see the likes of Luton coming up with their wage bill of 10 million, which probably isn't a, a patch on some of the players and some of the Premier League teams. So yeah, it's, it's good. I think from a game perspective, I do think Newcastle, they, they're a little bit too strong. I do think Newcastle, again, similarly have kind of turned the corner. They went through a bit of a patchy road just around Christmas. I think they've kind of come back on track now again. I think Newcastle will win this one. Yeah, very good. And actually, before we go on, uh, Terry, let's get your thoughts on Newcastle and Luton. But actually, your man Sambi Lakonga is gone from Arsenal to Luton, and it seems to be playing very well there. It just proves like yeah. that job, game time is brilliant for these players if they can get an opportunity. So, Terry, how do you think Newcastle and Luton is going to go? Well, first of all, it's probably worth saying, as we're on Irish radio here, that uh, there's a big Irish community living in uh, Luton, um, right back from the sort of 60s, 70s, 80s up to now. There's a big Luton Irish centre there, uh, so you will have a lot of Irish fans. In fact, I bumped into a Luton fan in the summer over by Spanish Point. <laughs> uh, I was getting some ice creams, and he was coming out dressed in his sort of orange kit. And uh, I said, well done for, for getting up into the EPL. And he said, yeah, the biggest job now is, is to stay up, you know. So he, he would have been maybe second ge- generation Irish lad, you know. Um, so uh, I think I think Newcastle will have too much for, for them. I'd like to see Luton stay up. I really would. But I think Newcastle, of course, people forget that in terms of owners, Newcastle are the world's richest club. And their their owners are they Saudis, yeah, and they yeah. built a and they built this training complex there, you know, state of the art, and uh, and all those things contribute to better training, better fitter players, and so on. Um, I'm not enamoured with uh, with Howe as a manager. I suppose he's he's trumped a lot here. <laughs> Unfortunate word, Trump. Yeah. He's trumped a lot here because he's he's a young English manager fairly young yeah. but uh, I can see Newcastle doing it which which is a shame because I think um, having fresh blood in, in the Premier League is, is always good and I would love to see them stay up yeah, very good. Now the next fixture is an interesting fixture. Well, look, look, they're all interesting, but it's uh, Sheffield United and Aston Villa. So Aston Villa, no more than uh, Brighton, maybe with under. Like I noticed, Roberto De Zebri was being touted as a possible replacement for Jurgen Klopp, and obviously Emery is being touted as maybe the one that got away at Arsenal. So, uh, but they have hit. The, they're they're not going as well as they previously were. They've have they've obviously you know the season the opposition kind of figure you out. So uh, this is a big fixture away now I don't think Sheffield United are setting the world alight but still they need a win I think so Terry how do you think Sheffield United and Aston Villa is going to go well as you probably know I'm a great Emery fan and uh, yeah. I think he's turned Aston Villa around really well he's done absolute wonders I think they had a hiccup uh, uh, a little while ago uh, which all good teams have um, but if they carry on the form they've shown earlier in the season I think they'll have too much for Sheffield United even though they've got their old manager back who has worked wonders there. So I think it'll either be a... I think it must be a Villa win. Uh, it, it could be a draw if Sheffield United really pull it out. But 
now I can see Villa squeezing that, squeezing that by, by just yeah. just a goal difference. Yeah. James, how do you think this is going to go, Sheffield United and Aston Villa? Um, I think it'll be a 1-1 draw. Uh, I think uh, Bramwell Lane's a difficult place to go at any time, specifically when they're in a bit of a bad way. I think it also shows Chris Wilder that they say never go back, but football makes its own rules. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Sheffield United. Also with Aston Villa, um, you know, for all the plaudits, which is completely correct, you know, sometimes it's as if the the, the teams that are eulogised to, to the high heavens, people forget that there's still, you know, a, a, um, a 15, 16 games to go and, and we, don't, we haven't reached the finish line yet. So many a twist and turn ahead, but I think in this case, it will be a 1-1 a one, one draw. Yeah. And actually, before I got to Ross now, there was, I heard an interesting story about Chris Wilder during the week. Uh, the last two matches, he has commented negatively about the referees in both cases. But in the in the last match, he went in to meet the referee and you know, air his grievances. And at one of the one of the touch judges was there eating a cam or eating a sandwich as he was uh, uh, giving out to the referee. And he kind of he he he. Uh, thought this was very disrespectful for him. So little did I know that Premier League uh, managers were like uh, archbishops and members of the royal family and have to be treated with such high levels of respect. But uh, Ross, how do you think Sheffield United is going to go? Yeah, like to be honest, I can only see Villa winning this one now. In fairness, I think Villa did start off the season absolutely fabulous. I think it's probably, it's telling about the, the reactive nature of football and just the media in general that when you see teams like that win a few matches like everybody jumps on a bandwagon and, and expects them to challenge for the title and we're, people were kind of calling it that they don't see Villa falling away but I think now it's kind of happening now that they've dropped a few points in a few games I do think they're going to fall away further I can't see him falling too far Unai Emery has done an absolutely fabulous job there like he's really turned it around um, but yeah I can definitely see Villa winning this one yeah, very good. Okay, so we're on to Sunday now, lads, and obviously the big picture is, is the half four, but we have three other uh, very significant matches to get through before that. So we have Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. So, uh, James, I'll go to you first on this one. How do you think Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth is going to work out? Um, I think it'll be a 3-1 win for Bournemouth. I think they're doing really well. I think Eliola showing the tremendous work that he's done, uh, even at Leo Bayacano. You know, he, they, they were unbeatable unbeatable at certain stages you know he had them playing some really really good football for a, a team which re- represents the district of madrid was uh, was very very special and he started very slowly but they're doing exceptionally well and i think their, their you know vitality is a very small stadium very cozy tucked away behind the pavilion and i think they're going to make the most of home advantage and i think nottingham forest as well i saw them splashing the cash again yesterday uh, they're behaving like drunken lords, really. And I think it's really going to catch up with them. And I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out on the line and say that I think that Nottingham Forest will, will be relegated. And I think that this game will be uh, 3-1 to Bournemouth. Very good, very good. Actually, that's very interesting to say. Because I think I watched them against uh, Arsenal the other night. And to be honest, look, they held out for a long time. But it was very one-dimensional. It was like the saying goes, park the bus and then park another bus in front of that. It was uh, very negative stuff, really. So, uh, Ross, how do you think... Uh, Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest is going to work out. Yeah, I watched the Arsenal Forest game the other night and they were quite poor, I thought, until they got the goal towards the end and maybe created a bit of panic. And I think, as you know, when you get one goal near towards the end and you start pumping for a second one, like they were trying to put Arsenal under pressure and they did. But that's just psychologically. I think in reality, if a team can go toe to toe with them, they, they will invariably lose. I think they're, I, I do think Nottingham Forest will actually get relegated as well. And I can see them beating 2 0. 
Tune in over again. Now, Terry, how do you think Bournemouth and Downing Forest going to go? Well, the famous joke about Forest was they bought so many players during the summer, they've got a rich owner, that they were having the uh, team bus extended, you know. Um, so they've got they've got an awful lot of players to choose from, but not a lot of good good players to choose from. Um, Nuno Espirito Santo, I, I think I think watch watch the way I say his name because you could almost drop into the Latin mass yeah. when you're saying that. Um, he um, uh, he was a goalkeeper, of course, so I think he'll be concentrating on defence. Defence. I mean that match against Arsenal. Yes, I'm an Arsenal fan. But it was so boring, this constant sort of horseshoe shape attacking that, that you do against a low block and uh, and then a, luckily a deflected goal. I know they're giving it to Hazard, but uh, it wasn't, it's not the way I like to see football play. Can I just say to anybody listening in who's a big hurling fan like myself and Timar, we were talking earlier today about the fact that the way the rules work in hurling, thank God. You don't have to funnel the ball right in near near the goal to, to, to score anything. So in hurling, you could be 30, 40, 50 yards out and score a point, you know. And in soccer, George Graham used to think that they all, all to make the actual goal bigger, you know, because it's getting harder and harder to sort of score goals when teams play a, a, a low block. Uh, and it doesn't make for attractive football. Uh, in fact, Herbert Chapman, the ex-Arsenal manager who put Arsenal on the map in the 30s, his famous quote was that you can have the ball too much, meaning counter-attacking football, which is how uh, Forrest scored. Uh, counter-attacking football always gives you the chance to, to keep the, uh, or to catch yeah. the uh, opposition off guard, as it were. So, um, in terms of this match, I can see Bournemouth squeezing it. Uh, and Forest are going to be hoisted by their own petard, really. They've just bought so many players. They're changing manager mid-season. And it's all crumbling around them, really. Yeah. No. Just, just to that, actually, Terry, I know you're after kind of jogging my memory on something there from you know when you were talking about like scoring goals and saying how hard it is to score goals. I was reading an article the other day about, if we go back to the 2010 World Cup, and the football they used in the 2010 World Cup was called the Jabulani. This was in South Africa. Yeah. And... There was awful controversy at the time around that football because the way it moved in the air, they were saying it was very light and goalkeepers absolutely hated it. And a lot of players couldn't get their head around it at all. But one fellow who did was Diego Forlan and he was absolutely cracking in goals for fun within that World Cup. But the only reason it's in, in my head is now that they're, it's obviously become such a thing now that they're going back talking about this and how hard it is to score goals. But now that Jabalani has become a, a thing where online you can buy it for £499. So, like, it's it's nearly a collector's item. Oh, this football. And, and Ross, was it a, was it a ball that was light? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Terry, that's it. Yeah. Moved in the air. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you go back to the 2010 World Cup and just look at some of the goals that were scored from outside the box, they're absolutely phenomenal. But if you look at how the ball moved, it just absolutely yeah. flew through the air, and no keeper had a chance for some of the shots that were going in. Very good. That's it. Uh, Andrea Nesta's uh, World Cup. Uh, so just to move on to the next club that have plenty of players, uh, Chelsea versus Wolves. I watched Wolves last night. It was, uh, well, uh, my heart went out to them, really, but look, they got they were beaten in the end. So how do you think Chelsea and Wolves is going to go, James? Um, I think Wolves will win. Um, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win for Wolves. I think that's, um, they've got a great young manager in Gary O'Neill, who seems extremely grounded. And I think with Chelsea as well, I've always found Pochettino to be completely overrated. I think the last actually good job that he did, if you're talking about 
managerial ability was actually Espanyol. And people will obviously say about his time at Southampton and again and at uh, at Tottenham, but um, obviously losing a, a Champions League final and and then you know staying in Spain and, and going to Barcelona and not even accompanying your team back to London and just kind of going off with the hump that you lost uh, such an important game just shows the the mannerisms he had. But I, I think he's Pochettino is extremely overrated. I think that. Um, I can't see Chelsea winning any trophies this year. And Todd Bowley as well is an owner. You might be a billionaire, you might have loads of money, but you can't, you know, this is 11 against 11. You need to have a structure. You need to have um, people working with one another. It's not like a, a conveyor belt. So yeah. I think a, a difficult season for Chelsea. Uh, Wolves have got some good players. I think they'll be, uh, they'll, they'll be disappointed with last night, of course, but also they one against West Brom in, in the FA Cup, and uh, I think that it will be a 1-0 win for Wolves. Actually, we might skip on to the next match, because I think it's a, an interesting fixture. Uh, it's Man United after that match last night. How do you think Man United and West Ham is going to go, Ross? Yeah, Man United, again, you just never know what team is going to show up now. Like Last night, again, there was nearly three or four teams in the one match. I, <laughs> I actually watched some of that match, and I switched it off after about 65 minutes, thinking, yeah, this game is a done deal. I looked at the result then when it was over. It was a 4-3. It was absolutely fantastic match, apparently, towards the last 15, 20 minutes. Like, so much like the World Cup final, which turned into a match yeah. after yeah. the second half. But, um, yeah, I think I would say a draw is probably a, a likely result here. Yeah. I just, I would never have any confidence at the minute in Man United in terms of them going out. And you can see how they'd thrown away the lead last night and then came back and obviously won it yeah. the last kick of the game, practically. But, yeah, I just wouldn't have any confidence in them at the minute. No. And, Terry, how do you think Man United and West Ham is going to go? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I did see a stat today that of all, all the Man United managers that have come after um, Alex Ferguson, he's got the best uh, percentage of, of points, oh. only by a small amount. So a lot of, I mean, all the newspapers are always pump out rubbish and they're telling you he isn't good, but maybe he is turning it round. I don't know. Um, I do know uh, there's very few London people that, that don't like West Ham. You know they're um, they're always uh, they're always very game. They're always for, forever blowing bubbles as the theme song goes. Or, or is that just so, because they're they're uh, not a threat? Yeah, I'd love <laughs> speaking as an Arsenal fan like, here. <laughs> yeah, what would like? Well, we we have lost to, to them in 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 the trio of finals where where we beat United in in the middle one and lost to West Ham um, in 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 one of them. Oh, what? Who's going to do that? To, um, that's on Sunday. Yeah. I think United are going to follow up um, their, their win at Wolves with 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 a narrow win there. Yeah. And actually, West Ham have tended to be a bogey team for United over the years. Like there's been a number of occasions ah. where they've right, where they've gotten results where they weren't expected. Like they've. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Now, lads, I think we'll maybe have a cover. There's one big fixture left in the Premier League, and we could definitely going to cover that in depth in a few minutes. But before we go on to that, we might just have a quick chat with James. Obviously, there's Arsenal are playing Porto in the Champions League. This is a very big fixture. This is our. We're just doing a bit of a preview for this one as well because we won't be on air again before that match. How do you think Arsenal and Porto is going to go, James? Well, I think it's going to be a really interesting fixture. Uh, I'm delighted to announce that I will be at the home leg on the 12th of March. But before that, on the 21st of February, I'll to go away to Portugal. And uh, I think it's going to be a really, really even game. My prediction is 1-1. 
FC Porto have got some tremendous players. Uh, Heleno, the Brazilian winger, is is like Quicksilver. He's so quick. And also Evan Nilsson, the Brazilian striker up top. Uh, Diego Costa, the, the goalkeeper of the Portuguese national team. And Stephen Eustachial, the um, Canadian footballer in the middle. Arsenal are, are, are at risk of... Um, underestimating this team you know and I kind of feel a little bit of deja vu where in my humble opinion Arsenal's title title um, title charge was derailed by Sporting last March which people might think of that game wasn't even in the Premier League but the mannerisms of the team that night and particularly our manager um, when I saw those images I thought that's it we're done and and what I say unfortunately I was proved right in that case but um, for the Arsenal fans that think that it, it's going to be a free pass nothing could be further from the truth and um, you know we're not in the quarterfinals already and uh, we're going to have to fight to get there obviously um, Porto are nicknamed the Dragons so literally Arsenal have got a dragon to slay in Porto and uh, in London in the next um, in the next six weeks Very good and well Ross how do you think Arsenal Porto is going to go? Yeah, like James, I'd be a little bit wary now, to be quite honest. I, obviously, I was quite happy with the draw when it came through. Look, if you're if you're going to pick a team out from whoever we could have got, I think you, Porto was probably one of the ones you would have picked out of it. I think, yeah, we have been complacent in the past in terms of quarterfinals that were round of 16s that we've been in and expecting to get through. Like Monaco springs to mind, even I think something the AC Milan game as well, I think back maybe 10 years ago that we should have probably done a lot better in the first leg. I just think we probably do have too much to for Porto to actually uh, to cause us too many troubles. And Terry, we'll have to get your thoughts on Arsenal and Porto. It's only it's well, Arsenal's record in Europe isn't great. We haven't covered ourselves in an awful lot of glory, um, and some of our best um, victories away have have been against big teams. I think we beat was it Inter Milan five 0 one year. Um, so I think if we get a draw out, out of Porto, we'll be doing very well. And I'm afraid, as I say, the last few years, and you've been going to a match like Arsenal with Olympiacos and so on, and, and we've, we've, we've just blown up in, instead of attacking them. So, listen, a draw will, will, will uh, make me very happy. Yeah. Okay, and the other big uh, Champions League fixture, in other words, the concerning English team is Man City. Of course, probably the favourites really for the Champions League to win it outright. But uh, this uh, this enough to beat Copenhagen to get to get to the next round. James, how do you think Man City and Copenhagen is going to go? I think it will be a lot closer than what people think it will be. Um, some people are predicting a cricket score. I think it's quite apparent that Manchester City will get through over two legs, but I can't see them destroying Copenhagen like some people are claiming will be the case. I think FC Copenhagen as well, to get through a group with uh, Bayern Munich, Manchester United and Galatasaray is a great achievement for them. You know, I was fortunate to be um, in Copenhagen on a city trip in 2014 where I watched um, I watched uh, FC Copenhagen win against Norseland. I think they won 2-0 and a young Thomas Delaney Obviously, with Irish heritage, I think he came on as a sub in that game, if I remember. And uh, beautiful stadium, the Partican uh, Stadium, which in which the Danish national team also play. But I think it's going to be closer than, than many people think. I think in, in this day and age where people love to kind of um, 
count their chickens before they hatch. You know, this this is tournament football. And um, I, w- one point I will make, because I've, I've gone on record by saying it again and uh, uh, in the past, and I'll say it now. I'm absolutely convinced that Leo Sociedad will knock uh, will knock out Paris Saint Germain. I'm absolutely convinced of it. And um, you know, for people to uh, to kind of um, throw away Leo Sociedad, that's uh, you know they topped a group which included the Portuguese champions, the Italian champions, and also uh, last season's um, European uh, beaten finalists. A tremendous mix of um, of youth and uh, the 60-40 policy they have of, of buying and also their own youth policy. And also Paris Saint-Germain, you know, this is a team that was only conceived in 1970. We're now in 2024. And uh, I recently found out that the... Uh, the um, commission that was um, that was put together to to be to uh, to um, kind of get Paris Saint Germain off the ground and what do they need to do to uh, they refused with Saint Germain of course Paris FC and what do they need to do to really get going they were advised by uh, Santiago Bernabeu yeah. who of course is is the legendary figure at Real Madrid who, who took it upon himself to advise. Paris Saint-Germain, what they should do, and it, it just goes to show. Here we are, um, here we are, fifty-four years later, and uh, Paris Saint-Germain are going for what will be their first European uh, title. But I can't see them getting any further than uh, than the last sixteen. Very good. Now, lads, that does our European coverage cover. Now, lads, the next big fixture and the main fixture of the weekend is Liverpool Arsenal. Now, before we go into the present match or the match that will take place this Sunday, we're going to have a small trip down memory lane. Uh, I suppose some of our younger listeners might think that the greatest match that was ever played, and if you're to believe Sky Sports, it definitely was, was a, a match between uh, Man City and QPR when Sergio Aguero, I think, uh, uh, led Man City to a famous Premier League win. But I think that for most people of an older generation, there was a famous fixture in 1989. It's the inspiration for the book and indeed the title of this show, Fever Pitch, and it was Arsenal v Liverpool, 1989. Mickey Thomas wrote his name forever into the history books by scoring a goal in injury time to win by 2-0. And at the time, just to give you before we get the lads' feelings out, this fixture was the two top teams in England and four of the starting 11 players for Liverpool that day were Irish and and Arsenal, 10 of the starting 11 for, for Arsenal were English and the one exception was also an Irish player, David O'Leary. So this was a titanic struggle and indeed I'd, let's hand over to Terry Hogan maybe to give your thoughts and maybe your description of the, of the time. Right, well I will preempt that, Tim, very slightly by... A victory we had in a cup final against Liverpool uh, a li- little bit earlier. And this involves a, a scarab woman, indeed, a, a Capavan lady. Uh, Mary Teresa Bleach had just married this guy called Terry Hogan. And um, we've got tickets for the, the League Cup final back in April uh, 1987. And we we trooped along. And I remember the Liverpool coaches coming in to the uh, Wembley area and I... Um, I said every, all the Arsenal fans were casting their eyes on the floor and, and not wanting to look up. We were all expecting uh, a, a trouncing. And, of course, uh, myself and Mary Teresa are standing there watching the game and Ear Rush scored. And, of course, Liverpool had never lost a, a match where, Liverpool, where Ian Rush had scored. And I thought, here we go again. But suddenly up pops the... Uh, Charlie Nicholas and scores one and then in the second half he completed 
his brace and Arsenal won, won the cup. So that was an amazing victory. Now, the one in 89, um, I have a lot of friends who actually went to that because if, you, if anybody listening in has, has ever, I'm sure lots of people have, have been, to, been to London, at the back of the, in fact, it's in between the two stadia now, between the old Highbury and the current Emirates, there's a long, straight, wide road called Drayton Park. And all the um, supporters' coaches line up there. If you're a supporter or you join the Travel Club and you've got a ticket, you, you normally pick up a coach there and it takes you up to, to the game and back. And my friend Tony and all his friends went to that match at Anfield. And... Um, we weren't expected to win. In fact, I was doing a gig at the Gresham Ballroom, London, I always remember. And I was driving down towards the archway and I, heard, I was listening on the radio and I heard Alan Smith's first goal and Arsenal had to win 2-0. So I thought, well, at least, uh, you know, we, even though we may not score a second, at least we, we've done our best. And then we had a pop man, again, an Irish guy, Derek. And I'd forgotten all about the match in, in, the, in the thing of playing. And then I saw Derek going, Arsenal, Arsenal. And all the, there weren't many in the hall. And all the bands shouted out, what's the score? And he said, Arsenal winning 2-0. And, of course, Arsenal won. And then Tony told me, this is uh, the guy that had gone up and down to the match. He said, they are, the, the team, uh, the, the supporters' coaches arrived back at Drayton Park at 4, 4 a.m. And it was... Uh, a summer's morning, so it was beginning to sort of get light. And he said they were all amazed. The streets at 4 a.m. around the stadium were jammed with fans celebrated. So they'd obviously gone into the Gunners and the Arsenal Tavern and the Tollington and been, been drinking all night. And he said, I always thought this was a lovely image. I'll share it with you. He said, as he and the other supporters stepped down off the coach, the fans near them, knelt on on the ground and did like like fake fake worship signs <laughs> that these guys had had gone all the way up to Anfield and brought back the uh, championship trophy. Very good. Now, Ross, have you any thoughts or feelings on the 1989 fixture? Yeah, it's a little bit <clears throat> before your time. Me. It's a little bit before my time now. I don't specifically remember it, but at the same time, there, there's a couple of things and a couple of good points, I think, just around the 89 thing that, that are worth kind of bearing or worth thinking about. And obviously, the 89 season was the season where it was extended because of the Hillsborough disaster. That's right, yeah. So, Liverpool and Arsenal matches playing under the lights at Anfield. So, it was obviously, now you'd have the, the match would be on the Sunday, like the last game of the season. All the matches would be played at the same time. This was played under lights in the middle. It was a midweek fixture, obviously. And I think what people maybe don't appreciate or maybe don't understand these days is that Liverpool in those days were pretty much the Real Madrid of Europe. They'd won, I think, four European Cups in the previous 10 years. They'd won countless league titles. I think so. The fact that Arsenal had to go to Anfield, win 2 0 on the last day of the season is maybe underappreciated and as you said Tim like that I think a lot of people think that football only started in 1992 so yeah before that I think it, it does yeah. count and some of those some of those results and some of those games for that yeah they're, they're absolutely phenomenal but yeah very good and now James obviously you have an in-depth knowledge of all things football but I suppose it is an iconic fixture really Arsenal in uh, Liverpool in 89 uh, absolutely um, I attended my first Arsenal game in 
February 1991, a 4-0 home victory against Crystal Palace. Yeah. And uh, I vaguely remembered it uh, 89, coming from an Arsenal family. Um, obviously, I've got experience interviewing professional players and managers at all different levels of world football. And I recall my interview with Alan Smith, who scored the first goal. That's right. He turned down Manchester United and Chelsea to come to Arsenal um, by his own admission. He could have gone to Manchester United, could have gone to Chelsea, but he looked at Arsenal, he looked at George Graham and he thought, they're going places. I want to be part of that. And that's exactly what happened. You know, well, a tremendous to be fair, it, man, man. the Golden Boots uh, twice as well, you know, and the, the, the DNA of that Arsenal side, what that Arsenal side represented. And Ross makes a, a, a great point about Liverpool, you know, yeah. about what they were at that time. If you fast forward to this day and age, in the current climate, you can still see that Liverpool has their winning DNA. It's still the aura of Liverpool, that they're dangerous, that they're going for titles, they're hungry. And in Arsenal's case, they appear to be a little bit too concerned with a form of activism. I logged on to the to the website today and they've renamed London Colney after a, an investment fund. You know, they appear to, to, to release a, a training a training top every every week to the tune of eighty pounds. You know, in in a, in a situation where money's tight, and I just I just feel that I think Arsenal we're, we're just losing our way a little bit. Yeah. You know, we are factually the, the third biggest club in the whole of England, behind Manchester United and Liverpool, but we're not acting like it. We're acting like we're far too concerned about things that have no bearing on football. But we're more concerned about being praised for that than actually um, trying to win on a football pitch. So I think that the game's going to be a really interesting game. I think it'll be a 1-1 draw. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I fear that if Arsenal do lose, um, I think that'll be it for the title challenge, if you can say that. And um, then it'll be, what, be 21 years before Arsenal can maybe say that they've uh, become champions again. Yeah. No, actually, that, well, thank you, James. That was a nice little segue into the, the upcoming fixture. So, look, before I t- turn over to Ross, obviously the Klopp resignation now is a big thing. Is it a factor? Yeah. I saw himself like saying that, you know, the Norwich game, he had to kind of, you know, he had to brace himself almost. The, the, but, like, I, Diego, Diego Jota has stated, like, that, oh, it would be great to win it for him, but he did a nearly open limit that this is extra pressure so Ross what are your thoughts on Klopp's resignation yeah like I think Klopp he kind of a lot of people like him I do I like him myself he's just he's got that type of personality where people are drawn to him he seems to be open honest I think yeah he was he was a breath of fresh air when he came into the Premier League in terms of his openness his honesty and how he wanted to play football how he how he understood the game and how he wanted the game to be played I think yeah it, as a liver, and I've spoken to a lot of Liverpool fans on this, they're devastated to see him go. I think he's absolutely right in terms of where he's at and trying to go out on a high as opposed to maybe falling away from the last number of years. I think, no, we, we've kind of experienced that ourselves with, with Arsene Wenger where there were a number of times he tried to rebuild a team kind of coming from 2010 on. Like There were a number of different teams he had there and we got a couple of FA Cups out of it, but in reality, the team was on a downward spiral and he couldn't get out of it. And I would say Liverpool, or he's probably looking at it going, right, look, I've done as much as I possibly can here. It can go either way in terms of it could absolutely galvanise that Liverpool squad. And I'm, I'm guessing that's what he's hoping to do, get them together for, like, to use the, the phrase, the last dance from the Michael Jordan documentary. I think that's exactly what he's trying to do. 
it could go the other way where the players might just say, well, do you know what? We actually don't care anymore. Like, if football has gone like that where there's not a huge amount of loyalty left, players are just playing for their pockets, they're playing for the next contract and they don't really care about the man beside them. So it could go either way. Looking at it the other night, Liverpool were absolutely fabulous. They played really, really good stuff. I will be slightly worried about the match on Sunday now with Darwin Nunes. I think he's... I just don't know what to make of him. He's uh, He was chaos. absolutely... Yeah, and he just brings chaos. He creates chaos. And for him to hit the post four times in a match, which is more than anybody else has hit the post all season, is absolutely unbelievable. The thing is, he's only 24. He's a young guy. Like He could actually come really, really good. And he just he's, he's very strong. He puts himself about. So I think he's actually potentially injured for the match that's come out this evening that he might not be playing. But yeah... It's, I'm slightly worried about how it could go because it could go either way. And again, like James said, I think if we don't get a result on Sunday, I think that's it for the title race. Yeah. Now, we get, we get your final scores in a minute. But Terry, your thoughts on the Klopp resignation and the factor it's going to be for, well, this match and particularly going forward for the remainder of the season, Terry? Well, as, as Ross said, uh, I mean, a lot of people, were, and I'm one, one of them, really, really like Klopp. As, as a person, I like his politics. I like his whole vibe, you know. Um, and I think he's certainly right. Just get out at the top. You you always know what good gamblers do. Get out while you're winning, you know. And um, this this I think the players will... When you're working hard in, in almost any job, you're kind of in a, in a groove. And you don't really think too much about the boss moving on or leaving until they've actually gone. So I think the players will be in a groove They'll keep going. They've got the League Cup final coming up. Um, they've got they're they're still in the FA Cup, of course, at Arsenal's expense. They could well win win the league this season. So, it, being an Arsenal fan, I wouldn't be too hopeful. I mean, I, it'd be great to see Arsenal win it, but we'd have to be on absolute tip-top form, and Liverpool would have to be poor, which is very unlikely. So. Probably on a balance of probabilities, I'd say a draw yeah. looks like the most likely. And if that happens, as, as all the lads were saying, I think that's Arsenal's tilt at, at the title goal. Yeah, and before I actually get to, before we give our finals, uh, I just want to get James in here, but I know James, you have a deep knowledge of Klopp, let's say, before his time in Liverpool, and indeed his uh, relationship, I think even with the German national team, you've had comments on before. So James, what are your thoughts on Klopp and his move uh, out of uh, the Premier League? Well, first and foremost, I think the fallout's been uh, it's, it's been treated like a death in the family when people seem to be forgetting that you can't plan a career. You know, going back to Dor- uh, Borussia Dortmund, um, bef- when Klopp was at Mainz, uh, in the first instance, it appeared that uh, Bayer-, Bayer Leverkusen were linked, Wolfsburg were linked. It appeared to be an a- absolutely cast in stone that he would he would become manager of Hamburg. And uh, the, the chairman of Hamburg was absolutely mesmerised by him. But the board of directors weren't convinced. They thought that here is a man who's unshaven, uh, wears torn jeans and, and, and pronounces uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger as Schweini and Podolski as Pod- uh, Poldi. And they weren't too convinced. And they decided to go against the grain of the chairman. In the seven years that, that Klopp was at Dortmund, uh, Hamburg had 13 managers. So it just goes to show, and I think although Klopp is um, 
is saying that, you know, I, I want to lead a, a normal life. When you choose to go into the world of football and to work in the world of football, that is your way of a, a normal life, if you like. It's the life that you choose. I think he has, um, I think he's made an error in the fact of, oh, I'll, I'll take a year sabbatical and I'll, I'll decide what I'm going to do. But I saw a, a, an interview he did with the BBC when he was at Dortmund when he said that, you know, football is like a train. You have to be ready because it's not going to wait for you. I think when he returns, I think he's, he's going to find that out with what he said with his own words. You know, you can't plan a career. You, you really can't. So I just think that it's, uh, it will be important for him to, uh, to go out in style. I certainly can't see them winning all four, as some people have said they, they will. Specifically in Europe, I can't, I can't see that. They, they lost a way to, to lose uh, at the end of October, I believe. So that kind of gives you an indication. I can see him winning the League Cup and potentially the FA Cup. But uh, it will be very interesting. But it's uh, the end of a, end of an era. But it just goes to show the, how important it is to get that fit between uh, manager and club. You know, far too many chairmen and owners are far too short-sighted to want to piece that jigsaw together. But when you do, it can you can achieve fantastic things. Yeah, very good. And just just before we get your, we get the three scores of the three lads on the minute. But do you think there's a is there a possibility that that he's thinking about the the German national job, or is, would that be in his psyche? Do you feel, James? Possibly, but also it's a different dynamic to manage a, a national team, and um, I think with Germany as well, they've kind of lost that that German venom that they used to have. You know, like the, so venomous, so like clockwork, like machine work. And that's kind of been diluted a lot. And it's going to be a huge ask for him to um, for him to get that back. I think he would be interested. He's also been um, linked to Spain. And I, I think that, um, I don't think Ancelotti will go on forever. And of course, Xavi has announced that he's leaving. And um, so that could be an option for him. But um, yeah, I think he's going to have to be very careful. My only hope for him is that he... He chooses and remains as sensible in the choices that he made in the past with Mainz, Dortmund and Liverpool, but he remains as sensible and calculated going forward. Okay. And that he um, stays the same in that respect, because I think um, I think it's going to be very interesting. Okay. So, look, okay, thanks, lads. So, we're just finishing up here now on Scarf Bay Community Radio, putting a closing to our show from Fever Pitch to Hurler on the Ditch. So, we're going to get three final scores from the three lads for the big match Arsenal v Liverpool on Sunday. Ross? So, yeah, I'm going to go with my heart instead of my head. I'm going to go 3 1 Arsenal. 3 1 Arsenal, Ross. Man, Ross. Uh, Terry? Do you know what? I, lo- I love what, I- what Ross has just said. It's it's going to be a blast if Arsenal do it. So I'm going to go, yeah, 3-1 to Arsenal. Three. And James, the score on um, Sunday? I'd, I'd love to uh, to make it a hat-trick and, and be positive, but tactics win football matches and the club's got it in spades. Arsenal's manager, not so much. So I'm going to go for, because it's at home at the Emirates, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. And exactly as I predicted myself. James, thank you, Terry. Thank you, James. And t- definitely special thanks to Ross for the show. Lads, it was a great show. Great talking to you. And we'll talk to you all in the not-so-distant future. And thank you for your contributions to Scarf Bay Community Radio and particularly to our show from Fever Pitch to Horror on the Ditch. Good night, lads, and God bless. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Oh, the crack was good in Pricklewood. And they wouldn't leave the crown. 
But Glass is flying on Minnie's crying. So Paddy was going to town. Oh, mother dear, I'm over here. And I'm never coming back. What keeps me here? The rake of beer. The ladies and the crack. I come from County Kerry.